Good morning and welcome to Smashy Business Daily, uh, where we dare to ask the difficult questions. This morning, Habibul Mullah faces backlash for suggesting higher salic tolls in Dubai and Audi breaks record sales uh, in the Middle East. And a Dubai developer is selecting its tenants through an invite-only auction, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then stay tuned with us for an interview with Wadid Deeb. You might know him as the guy who uh, said he would rather shut down his startup than egotistically burn investor money. And he's back with a new startup called Call Me. Up next. Welcome to, again, to Smashy Business Daily. We're back with Richard. We have you two days in a row. Love now I'm here whenever you need me. <laughs> you don't need me for long, but yeah, good to be back. Episode two of Smashy Business Daily. Yes, episode two. I'm really excited about this. We've got a, a little bit of uh, controversy yet again. I know you don't want to go down that route every day. I promise I won't. <laughs> we'll compromise. We'll, we'll um, comment on what's going on. If this uh, is what's going on, then it's fine. Yeah, just like I've compromised on my coffee this morning. It's machine coffee, not that great. So sometimes oh, right, you just okay. got to compromise in life. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, welcome to Smashy Business Daily, where we dare to ask uh, the difficult questions. Um, what was in the news? Uh, what's in the news today? Uh, Habib al-Mullah. Uh, is back in the news, uh, and he's no stranger to, to facing backlash. Uh, yesterday, we spoke about uh, him tweeting um, uh, a suggestion to increase uh, salic uh, toll fees around uh, bis- business district areas, uh, such as the IFC. Hmm. People didn't like that, of course. We got some comments on social media. Uh, so, uh, just tell me exactly, yeah. Lumna, like. I'm not familiar with salic fees in DIFC. Is are the what are the salic fees in DIFC? Mm-hmm. Uh, there I, aren't any right now, right? Or so are there? Right now, there are no tolls around DIFC. So around DIFC, of course, we have we've got Sheikh Zayed Road and, and all of those uh, yeah. gates. But in DIFC itself, no. So what's he suggesting? Because obviously, there's you know. There's parking, there's RTA prices, but Salik is specifically a toll. So mm-hmm. he's suggesting that we add a toll in on the way into DIFC. So increasing yeah. the toll. I think it's about four dirhams, if I'm not mistaken, okay. right now. So he wants to increase that. Mm. Uh, I believe in the Business Bay Crossing because, you know, Salik is introducing two more uh, gates, right? One near Safa Park and then one near the Business Bay Crossing. Yeah. So what he's suggesting is that we increase the tolls around uh, DIFC. Yeah. You know, on Sheikh Zayed Road and then Business Bay. Uh, so it's I, probably a good idea, but some people didn't yeah. like it, did they not? Yeah. I mean, do you think it's a good idea, really? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we chatted after the show yesterday, and we sort of said that there's two types of people in Dubai. There's the capitalist people who are looking at like understanding businesses and where that money can get reinvested and then there's the opposite to that be careful what your words are used but like there's the opposite to that where people are kind of like hang on i don't want um an extra dirham to leave my pocket cities are already so expensive and i get that as so well most people most people i get that as you're well. not most people richard are you <laughs> i am most people yeah no i i really don't i you know i i really don't think of these things as a personal thing i think think of these these things as a business uh as a city right and you know cities that work do these things cities that work well do these things cities that don't work well don't have the wherewithal or the capability to have uh entities as sophisticated as Salik in place in the first place, right? Right. But do we really need to be adding more additional expenses for people? 
Uh, I well, mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some okay. of the comments uh, that Habib Mullah received on social media. Um, someone said, uh, what we really need is more metro lines, way more. For example, that's one solution, right? Someone suggested, or maybe limit the number of cars per household. Yeah. Another great point, right? Uh, this one is one of my favorites. Has he ever tried to move around Dubai and use the CBD public transport? No. Well, well maybe. Sorry, uh, did he Habib. reply to that one? <laughs> did he reply? No, uh, so. he, he didn't yet. Where, uh, but you know who did reply to Habib Mullah is uh, RTA, uh, the Road and Transport Authority, um, because he had also suggested a dynamic um, toll system whereby obviously we increase the fees during peak hours and then decrease them during yeah. less busy times. Like surcharging, ship pricing, like Uber and stuff do. Yeah, exactly, which makes sense. I True. think it makes more sense than to double the fees. They said that they might do that. Or so they responded to him and said, actually, yes, we're uh, looking at it. that is one of the options that they're looking at. That's amazing. Well, going back to the point, the bigger picture, the suggestion about limiting cars per household, I, I go, you know, we talked about this yesterday. When you're doing policy, you have to think of what are the cause and effect and what the, what's the incentive, what happens next when you put something in place. Mm -hmm. And if we're looking at it an isolated, like a trigger thing online of that tweet and you're responding, this is good, this is bad, mm -hmm. it's good to look at the wider picture and go, well, if we have, you know, COP28 just ended, there's emissions targets, there's moving away from fossil fuels and, and everything like that. Well, you know, are we really talking about toll charges or should we be talking about uh, electric vehicles and other things like that? Yeah. You know, I well, know you're going to. <laughs> Here we go. You, uh, <laughs> Segway, yeah. Smooth uh, transition. That is story three, but we can, we can do it right now. Let's go. Um, are you a fan of electric vehicles? As in, do I, I haven't actually drove one, Lubna, so uh, I've been in them. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's inevitable the way it's going. I think it's positive for the world. So the straight answer is yes. What about you? Uh, kind of. I don't care for them too much, but I feel like I should. Mm. Uh, and I should probably say it publicly that I do yeah. care about them because you know how judgmental people get, right? You've got to care about the environment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you actually do, Lubna. <laughs> No, but I get uh, your no point. comments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I do. Of course, I do. And apparently, so do a lot of people in the UAE. Mm. So, um, Audi have actually broken sales records in the Middle East, and a lot of people are buying electric vehicles. Um, but first of all, let's talk about Audi breaking uh, records here in the region. Um, so, the the uh, German car uh, maker um, saw a six percent year on year increase last year. Primarily thanks to the Audi Q5. Are you an Audi fan, by the way? Yeah, I think they're cool cars. I think they're going to be joining F1 in, in 25, 26. I, I like the, I, used, I studied in Germany and I spent some time around the factories, not the Volkswagen ones, but down around BMW ones in Bavaria and stuff. So I get all that like industrial thing that happens in Germany around nice. manufacturing and stuff. And I appreciate it. I'm not a big car person. But uh, yeah, like Audi. I was Audi, sensing that. I was sensing yeah, that. Yeah. Car person. Audi Vorsprung durch Technik, which is like progress through technical innovation. That's yeah. the sort of nomicker. That's the brand tagline they have. Cool brand and all. But to the point that you brought up about sales, they've actually, they actually struggle enough in this region, right? They're not as, you know, the numbers between Audi and Mercedes, like you would think, people might think they're close. They're not close. Like yeah. the, 
I really don't do near the numbers. Like I don't, I won't, I don't know enough to comment exactly. But like Mercedes and BMW are far ahead of Audi in sales. Okay. So to see that Audi have made a breakthrough here on EVs and things like that is quite interesting. But I think that the general thing that people say about these cars and why we're kind of behind a little bit the US and everything is, isn't just that uh, you know gas and benzene and petrol is cheap, but also uh, there aren't enough charging stations, things like that. But uh, we we do think like everything else. You know, I spoke to the, the guy who runs Uber in the region and he said that, you know, the, all their vehicles are going to be on. They have a high number, not all, uh, within a, a number of years. We did a story about it on Smashy Business at the time, but uh, he said the UAE isn't a worry because once they put a target in place on things like this, they're mm-hmm. just, they're going to smash it. In the next few years, it, we're just going to see a proliferation of electric vehicles. And, you know, this is one of those things that's an indicator of that. Absolutely. Uh, you know what, the whole time you were talking, I just, sorry, but I couldn't get the song out of my head. Do you remember a few years back, Saudis and Audis? No, no. <laughs> you don't know the song. No. <laughs> <laughs> you need to listen to it after yeah. the show. Um, <laughs> Is, Saudi, is Audis big in Saudi? Uh, apparently, apparently. Acor- I thought it was like more forward song. and yeah, historically, but yeah. No, it was a very famous uh, song. song yeah. That's why. Um, we, yeah. should, we should add this into the podcast recording of we this. Should. Yeah. Just segue out, yeah, the Ali and Hesham are not in the producers, yeah, we, we'll get that one in there. Or you, maybe you'll sing it first. Now, they know that song. Sing, no, <laughs> I, I would not do that to myself or you. By the way, speaking of music, kind of off the point, but Anas Bukashi, who's a well-known kind of presenter in the region, yeah. uh, he has AB Talks. It's really a success story in media as well, mm-hmm. in modern media. But he launched an event last night in Alcuz for... AB Talks Music. The first mm-hmm. episodes are dropping this weekend. And his, he played uh, a snippet of, actually played the full episode of his first uh, uh, guests. And uh, they're a Kuwaiti band in the 70s or 80s called Miami. And do you know Of that? course I love Miami. <laughs> really? Oh, gosh. Yeah. And you, you will Iconic. love this episode because it's really nostalgic for people who know it, but uh, it's an amazing interview. Like, I didn't know them at all, and I really got it. I really appreciate it. So, Anas Bukhash got to interview Miami. Yeah. And he's not a journalist. He was defined a journalist. Let's let's be fair to Anas. He asked the right questions, so... Technically, no, what is that? What that is, is it? He's good. He's, he's pretty he's good. good. He's good. But yeah, <laughs> we, we like do, how do we get to that? Saudis and Audis. Maybe they'll do a rendition of it for you. Yeah, we, we should get them in the studio. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. No, so, um, so yeah, back to Audi. Mm. Uh, so they are doing really well and they delivered a total of 1.9 million cars last year, uh, a 17% increase compared to the, to the previous year. Uh, so I guess people are buying more uh, Audis. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, right. Um, speaking of buying things, Richard, have you ever bid on anything? Auction? Uh, yeah, watches? I, I, I've been to art auctions in Dublin back in the day. I've bought some stuff off auction-based sites like eBay, but does that count? Um, not to people who go to actual auctions like Sotheby's and Christie's, yeah. but it's a start. It's a start. It's yeah, a, it's it's, a start. it's good. Hey, I've, at least you've bid on something. I've yeah. never bid on anything in my life. So but also, like price auctions is how ads are bought now. You know, but yeah. like you, yeah, yeah, like ab- absolutely. Facebook and everything. But yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I guess we do bid on things on on a daily basis, don't we? Mm. Um, but so there is a uh, property developer in Dubai, which is going to be selecting its tenants for a new residential uh, project via an invite only auction, which I think is pretty cool. What mm. do you think? Would you bid uh, on, a, on an so, apartment? To so an uh, how is this different to normal uh, auctions? Like invite only, 
you know, does that mean that they're going to check if this person is the right type of person to live in their development? That's a great question. Uh, I suppose yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> there's not that much information yet. We are trying to get in touch with them and get more information. But I guess they're trying to do something. I think the point behind it is just to do something more innovative mm. uh, and stand out. And probably, like most probably, it's just a publicity stunt, right? Publicity so, stunt. So the, so the auction, so what's the name of the developer? Uh, Alpha Beta Properties. Mm, mm. Uh, and then, yeah, it has stunning views of, uh, apparently stunning views of downtown in Burj Khalifa, uh, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, a smart keyless entry system. Olympic-sized swimming pool. I'm such a swimming nerd that that just is a selling point for me. Really? There aren't any developments in Dubai that have a 50-meter swimming pool. Let me see if I can sell you this apartment, then maybe get commission from them or something. But does Olympic mean 50? It should mean 50. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is 50. Um, mm. I read that earlier. Yeah, I just okay, didn't cool. include yeah. it here. But cool, I'm going, to, I'm going for this auction. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> no. well, rents actually start at $28,000. So that's... Rents, yeah, translate that for me. Yeah. Uh, into Durham's. Yeah, like a hundred. Uh, hundred and five. Okay, so they so they so give me a tent you can rent as well as buy. It. Yeah. Do we so, know when this is going to be ready? So currently, uh, there's nothing for sale, mm -hmm. uh, as far as we know, uh, and uh, no, there's actually no date as to. So it's auction for renting then. Yeah, it's for renting. Ah, it's, it's not even to buy, which is why I'm thinking it's kind of more of a publicity stunt. That's interesting. They do these things though, Lubna, don't they? Like I remember, like when crypto, that sort of minute that Web three was hot, like they were. There's so, so many press releases, like oh, you can buy this with Bitcoin and you can do this and that, and we don't Absolutely. hear them anymore. Yeah, what do you think about it? I think it's nice. I think it adds a little bit of fun to the market. You know? Yeah. Well, like I mean, the idea of an auction is, you know, rent and prices are so high at the moment that like. Uh, people have been really priced out of properties and if you have a 50 meter swimming pool in Burj Khalifa and if you show up in an auction and not other people show up you might get it for like half the price of someone else so yeah, there's yeah. a bit of that as well Absolutely. so if you're looking you're in the market for renting somewhere in the area uh, maybe show up and you get cheaper rent yeah definitely mm. no I think it's a great idea mm. uh, for sure uh, right uh, stay tuned with us we've got an interview with uh, Walid Deeb coming up do you remember Walid Richard? From Hala Insurance. Hala Insurance. He, so he's the guy who basically raised $5 million for Hala Insurance uh, and, then gave, and then shut down the company because he didn't want to egotistically burn investor money. He said there was just no market fit and he mm. gave back $1.2 million back to investors. So he burned $3.8 million of investor money. <laughs> okay, cool. And we're, and I mean, hey, it's much <laughs> less than, you know, I'm not going to name names like You're Bezat, not going to name names. But who was your name? Bezat? <laughs> good guys um, there. Good, good, uh, good guys. We, good company. We're, we're just trying, we're, they're trying their best. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we are going to be back with Wadid Deeb. Uh, he's back with a new startup called Call Me, where you can call uh, a mentor. Imagine how cool that would be. Richard, maybe you should be on the app. You would be a great mentor. Okay, uh, thanks, Lubna. Yeah. Flattery on the show. I think I think there's better people more experience than me. See how producers happen there. Uh, but yeah, okay. you know, so he's back already. So that's good. Has he raised money? No. So he's bootstrapping. Okay. Uh, investors are actually calling him. Mm. They're interested. Mm. He's not. Uh, he's bootstrapping for the moment. Call me a mentor thing. Okay, nice. Yeah, that's good pretty idea. cool. Yeah, yeah, we've got um, uh, the CEO of uh, Adnock Drilling, uh, and then we've got other people. Hint, hint, it's a music streaming service. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say the name because yeah, I'm not allowed Lack. to. No. But, uh, <laughs> oops. 
No, Anyways. so Angami probably, yeah. OSN um, Plus merger. Wonder what that name will be now. OSN Plus Angami. It doesn't really roll off the thumb, no, does it? Uh, no, it really doesn't. No. No. Let's keep the Angami one. But you know, for non-Arab uh, speakers, Angami is actually a hard word to pronounce. Angami. Yeah. It well, is. This is for me anyway. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you something funny. Uh, when uh, when I was working at Arabian Business, uh, I, I obviously my colleagues were mostly British, right? Mm. And then when I would say to them like Muhammad um, Labad or Ahmad, they would be like, "Sorry, who?" Mm. I'd be like, you know, like Ahmad. And anyway, I had to repeat it as Imar yeah. for them to understand. <laughs> yeah. It's just a funny thing. I was like, guys, you know, it's you're saying it wrong, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> like, I, I like that when we do the Love in Dubai show. And we, you know, I like the pronunciation to get it right, especially in media in the region. It's really important. You know, I really appreciate that. I respect that. It's just so it shows uh, respect for the culture, doesn't it? But it's also sometimes hard. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You you are forgiven, you know, if you can't pronounce it correctly. Arabic is a tough language, so don't yeah, worry about yeah. it. But at least um, know that the Arab pronunciation is the right one, not the British. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. Thanks, okay. Ali. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, great. Cool. I better let you get on with the interview. Good chat, and we'll be back again tomorrow morning. Yeah, back again tomorrow morning. Thank you, guys. Uh, listen to us, watch us on uh, Smashy TV uh, and or Apple Podcasts, and follow us on social media. Imagine picking up the phone and calling your dream mentor to discuss business advice. Well, thanks to Call Me, you now can. With us in the studio is Walid Deeb, the founder. Uh, I hope I said your last name correctly. Yeah, yeah, Walid Deeb, definitely. You did. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Walid, thanks for being with us. Uh, I, I'm really excited to talk about Call Me. Mm -hmm. uh, but first, let's talk about what everyone else is talking about. Okay. Uh, a few days ago, you did what no one else has done before, or at least they've never publicly spoken about it in the MENA region. You admitted that you shut down your startup Hella Insurance because you didn't want to egotistically burn investor money. You got a lot of praise for, for that on Thank social you. media. People were commenting. Uh, you got really good comments. You got $5 million in funding and you returned around $1.2 million to investors. So my question is, are investors now, now racing to invest in Call Me? It's a great question. Um, I've had people reach out to me for investment, but the entire idea of Call Me is to bootstrap it. So um, my passion here lies within, am I able to use as few tools as possible and partner with as few people as possible to kind of solopreneur this on my own. Um, I've got a few friends helping me out with it uh, in terms of the, for example, I used AI tools for the design. I used uh, some other AI tools to help me with the, the text and the content. Um, I've outsourced a few of the uh, uh, web design materials, but I tried myself to code it as well. I used to code uh, or I started to code right after I shut down Hella. I love that you just said that so casually. Yeah, I, I, I code. No. <laughs> yeah, it's something I like doing. But to be honest with you, I think to address your question really properly, I don't see myself in the very near future fundraising for it. Um, I think one misconception that people have in terms of uh, startups here is that all startups need to be VC-backed. The reality is the vast majority aren't. 
And it's going to be funny looking at this in the future if I do end up fundraising. So for now, the intention is not to do so. The relationship I've kept with most of the investors, out of the 23 investors we had, uh, I'd say I'm pretty close with 22. Uh, if I'm very happy, that's a, that's a good number having returned or having not succeeded in the business. What what happened with the other investors? Is there some tea you'd like to spill? No, not at all. So so I think um, drop some names. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, Investors are in the business of making money for their limited partners, right? And um, the uh, thought process of whether you return that money, whatever was remaining in terms of HALA insurance, or you double down and pivot again, is just your own philosophy. Um, for us, we agreed with the board that was the right way to go. Um, we were about to be acquired by a certain entity, and that didn't go through. Um, I think you'll see in 2024, unfortunately, a lot of startups burning their fingers uh, who could have returned investor money in 2023 or even 2022. Uh, but whether they wanted to persevere or because of ego or many other reasons, it just didn't work out. To be fair, um, maybe I viewed it as egotistical, but I think there is a way to continuously pivot and eventually come up with something. Take Slack, as an example, it was a gaming company. Mm -hmm. They kept pivoting for five years before they kind of found product market fit. What is the main reason that you want to bootstrap the the company. Is that one of the main reasons? Although the experience I had was very pleasant with the investors, I think that I've reached a point wherein I should at least identify a valid product market fit before fundraising. I've noticed a lot of the founders that I know in the space, co-founders that I've met, uh, who are very talented after exiting a business, whether they've liquidated it or sold it, there's an easier path for them to fundraise mm -hmm. on an idea just by the caliber of what they've didn't done before. That's still, uh, from my perspective, I'm still conscious of, you know, Hala being so recent and me wanting to be sure, look, here's a product market fit where I'm in control and I'm growing at my own pace as opposed to hyper growth required with a VC backed startup. Um, let's say it clicks and I start making money and I start making more money than I can handle. It's a good problem to have. It and if, if I do have that problem, then then I'm perhaps going to be looking into fundraising just to stay in that trajectory and kind of meet the customer's needs. Let's hope those are the kind of problems that you're going to have. That's making, a good problem to have. Making too much money, you just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you can send me some. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not um, really. <laughs> So you said last week um, that you made some difficult costing mistakes in Hala Insurance and you wish you could have spoken to mentors. Is your experience with Hala what gave you the idea to launch Call Me? That's a good point. So I think I had a lot of mentors as I progressed with Hala. And um, I think the, the way I look at it is I'm not sure everybody else had the same experience. So it's a very lonely path being a founder. Uh, but even when asked questions about founding a startup by people who have not founded one before or are about to or are in their job but are stuck in it and are not happy, the question I thought was, what if you're just 30 minutes away from ROI? What if you want to change your career? Or what if you want to see, let's say you've already fundraised a bit of money, but you don't know, should I have my tech back office in Poland or in Pakistan? What if you could talk to someone just for 30 minutes, someone who's a very busy person, but they can give you that 30 minutes and answer that one crushing question that you have. Should I switch from management consultancy, you know, making pitch decks and all that stuff to 
doing my own thing. Um, I'm about to fundraise my next round. I'm stuck with an investor on my cap table. I'm not sure how to deal with them. There's a lot of people who've had battle scars that could help you avoid the mistakes they've done. And having spoken to a lot of those individuals, these experts, or what I call the 1% of, of kind of whatever they do in their field, a lot of them aren't driven by the money as much as they're driven by meeting these new founders, talking to these individuals who could share a potential passion or could relate to the thing that they're going through. Sure, sure. I mean, I can tell you personally, I know so many people who would just jump at the opportunity of using an app like Call Me mm -hmm. um, because most people don't have access to the Fadi Ghandours or the other people that I'm about to uh, talk about mm -hmm. who are going to be featured on the app. But before I do... Who would you say is your dream mentor? He can be from the region. He can be from abroad. What a great question. Who would I want to talk to? So it's cool you mentioned Fadi Ghandur. I've spoken to him very briefly, very, very briefly. When I first founded my first startup called Adenda, which we ended up selling. Um, and, and this is the kind of person who, with very few words, can give you a lot of advice. So I doubt he's going to be watching this, but if he is, happy to have him on board. You know what? I'll send it to him. <laughs> I keep messaging him. He sometimes ignores me. Sometimes I get lucky, like he replies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fatty, if you're ever going to watch this, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. We've seen a lot of startups shut down as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. um, you were much more careful with money compared to other startups. We're not going to name them, um, but some have raised a lot of money. Uh, and still shut down. Some, you know, there are also problems with overvaluation of startups, for mm -hmm. example. What are you doing differently with Call Me? Is it the bootstrapping or is there just any advice, if you will, that you, you're giving to yourself or that you got? The most expensive lesson I learned was the proper definition of product market fit. Before, it was if the customer loves it. Now I realize... It's three things. If the customer loves it is the most apparent one. But the other two is, does it make me money? And the third one is, am I a competitive price for the customer as well? So is it within their purchase power to do so? With Call Me, I want to make sure that I hit these three targets. Are these potentially life-changing conversations within the range that a customer is able to pay? Mm -hmm. uh, are they exactly the kind of advice that they need? I could see that if they keep coming back, then perhaps. And the third one, am I pricing them correctly? So the, the challenge I see a lot of startups doing today, much less so than before, for sure. But in 2021, it was, I think whenever a startup would fundraise, Google would pop a champagne bottle because half of that money is going to go to Google ads, right? <laughs> you would buy customers nonstop. Uh, it doesn't matter what your bottom line is. It's all about... You know, Hala Insurance secures $5 million in funding. And, and um, while that sound, sounds nice on, on the surface, and we did try our best, I think you could ask any of the team members who after quitting were still on good terms, it, it was a challenge to not buy customers. And, and that's a challenge across the ecosystem and anything that's B2C in MENA. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. We're pleasure gonna, is all mine. Uh, cut it short. However, I'm going to give this... Um, I'm going to try to give this the uh, 
the best I can. So Call Me launches this week mm-hmm. uh, and allows consumers to book one-on-one video calls with the founders of some of the UAE's most funded startups. Uh, mentors on Call Me include Adnog Drilling CFO Youssef Salem, who was also the CFO of Swivel when it went public on Nasdaq, and John Santalan, who sold his remittance company Dinari to Karim. Prices for calls start at $250 mm-hmm. per hour, with the app charging a 20% commission to customers, while the app is free to use for mentors, which is really cool. Uh, so there you have it, uh, Walid Deeb, founder of Call Me. Uh, if you want to invest in his startup, I guess don't call him. He doesn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having Thank me. This is a Smashy Business production, part of Augustus Media Podcast Network. Tune in for free on all socials or subscribe on Smashy TV to get access to all shows and audio podcasts.